Are you ready for your excitement to begin? On July 18th, treasure the timeless classics of country music legend Crystal Gale, live at Casino-Rama. For ticket information, visit the Casino-Rama box office or any Ticketmaster location. Crystal Gale, live July 18th at Casino-Rama. This is where your excitement begins. Like what you've heard? Listen again online at drewmarshall.ca. Well, I uh, searched high and low for this track. Boy, it was it was hard to find. Rocky Top, Tennessee by Crystal Gale. She says that's one of her favorites. Best known for a number of country pop crossover hits, including Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue, this blue-eyed darling of country music with her nearly floor-length hair, was voted one of the 50 most beautiful people in the world in 1983. Kathy Lee Gifford is very angry she's never made that list. <laughs> she told me that a couple of months ago. In the mid-1970s, Crystal hosted her own one-hour primetime special on CBS television, which my father made me watch all the time. But it is my absolute honor and privilege to be able to interview today this lady who um, I think many, many country gentlemen have fallen in love with over the years, Crystal Gale. Hi, Crystal. Hello. How long has it been since you've sung Rocky Top? Do you do that sort of every concert, or has it been a while? It's been a long time. You know, I love that song. Me too. And it's just a, a fun song. It's one of my favorite countries, as you know. Ricky Skaggs does an unbelievable job on that song. Oh, I bet he does. Yeah. He, he does some great picking on it, too. So. <laughs> well, when is this Hollywood Walk of Fame ceremony going to take place? It's got to be soon. It's in October, October 2nd. Are you looking oh, forward to that? I what? am. I am. I'm getting nervous, too. I was going to say, it's got to be a bit surreal. It is. It's like, is it really happening? And um, it's, it's an incredible um, honor to have, uh, going to have a star on that on the walk. When I first went to California, one of my first trips there, I stayed in Hollywood. And I was at the Holiday Inn there. And, and all the, uh, the first thing I did when I got out of the hotel was go to the walk and see all those great stars. So this is really extra special. Probably yeah. not as special as, actually, I don't even know whether you've done this or not. Have you? Did you ever sell that Lalique table in your shop? <laughs> yes, we did. Uh, but, you know, we were in business for over 20-some years, and this past um, summer we decided that, you know, it's time to lighten the load a little bit, and, you know, I it didn't. It wasn't much weight on mine because I just shopped all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> that was easy, you know. It's a, it's really hard, and anybody in retail, I have a lot of respect for. Well, it must have been tough to say goodbye to your to your shop, though. We're talking about Crystal's Crystal Shop in Nashville. 
Yes, it was. And the main part was you know, all the wonderful people that's worked us for us through the years. And, and all the, the wonderful vendors that we've made some wonderful friends of all these uh, wonderful things that we'd sell from the beam porcelain to the, the Yadro to all these just great things that we had all different prices from, um, you know, from very, you know, from $5 on up. From the uh, Don't Make My Brown Eyes Blue music boxes all the way up to that Lalique yes, table. Did. What did the table actually sell for? <laughs> you know, I don't remember at this moment because it's been a while. But, um, <laughs> you good. know, I'm sure we discounted it. So. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. You probably walked up to it and took a little hammer and made a chip, you know, just say, oh, it's on sale now, folks. It's got a chip it out of it. It's on sale, that's right. Yeah. Well, you know, it was like one of these things, okay? It's going to either go in my house or we're going to sell it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the whole store, though, wasn't it? I mean, you really love that yeah, stuff. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, it was, it was hard, definitely. It's, it was a way to um, buy a lot of different things, and, and you weren't taking them home, but you they're so beautiful. I love going to the market. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I know that you love talking about your children, so let's get right into that. Catherine Clare, is she still a blonde, curly-haired soprano and dancer, or, or now she's like, what, 25? Maybe that's all left behind. Yeah, she's 25, and she has... Well, let's see what color her hair is. Is it purple or <laughs> eggplant or something? She's all the time changing it, and, and she's straightening it. You uh-huh. know, she's into that phase right now. I, I like it curly, too. So um, I always wanted curly hair, but my hair was so straight. So, um, But she's straightening her hair, and she's into photography. She just um, graduated from college, and so she's um, doing some uh, more work and, and schooling, but she's getting out there and trying to... She's very artistic with that. She's got a really good eye. Good. Good for her. And uh, Christos James, I I understand he graduated from Belmont with a double major in accounting and music business production. Boy, sounds like he's taken after the old man. He definitely is, but he's also starting to write songs and doing his own little thing. And we'll see. You know, I never pushed my kids. I never wanted them to be in the business if they didn't want to be there. Right. They've both taken... You know, the guitar, the piano, the they they took all these lessons, but it was like, oh, well, you know, that's okay. But he's back into his guitar and writing and doing some singing, and nice. who knows where he'll go. And he's come, we have a studio at our office, so he's starting his own production company where he wants to, uh, you know, engineer and produce other Good. people as well. So we'll see. Is he still playing the violin and the piano a little bit? Uh, he definitely can play the piano, and he um, the violin, he's thought about taking that back. Up, you know that's something. If you don't keep at it, you you've got to uh, to keep at at that particular instrument. But he has a five year old child hmm. that uh, is my first grandchild, Elijah. So he's yes, Elijah, and he's going to take the violin. Good. And he, he that and drums. He said. Oh no. <laughs> I know. You know, I was talking with Winona a couple of weeks ago, and and, uh, she said that she does not want... Her son is so good at ice hockey, but he doesn't realize it, and she doesn't want to push him in the ice hockey because she thinks that he'll sort of rebel from that and then go some other direction, maybe get into the music business. She does not want that, you know? Well, it's not easy. You really got to have that want and that desire because there's a lot of ups and downs. When I first started in the business... I had, you know, people telling me one thing, and then I would leave, and then then they wouldn't do what they said. It was like it was opposite, and you really get discouraged. So you've really got to forge ahead and not let people discourage you along the way if you want to uh, 
get into business, you've got to have that drive. Now, you and Bill, your husband, you've been married for 63 years or something like that. How long have <laughs> it's just been a. I know it feels like it some days, but. Sometimes, days it does. How many years now? Oh, my. Now, do you would just say that? Is it 38 or something like that? I always say 10, you know. Yeah, that'll work. I was 10 when we got married, you know. <laughs> By the way, Bill is a Greek fella, and I hear that you make a mean musica. I can uh, do some Greek cooking. I combine Greek cooking with Southern cooking, so, you know, the, my own uh, recipes in there as well. But I love um, a lot of the Greek recipes, and some of them are a little more involved, so it depends on your time of what you have, uh, you know, if you're going to cook, what, what time you have to give it. Is it musikai or musika? How do, you, how do you actually say that? Well, I say musika, but, you know, hey... I'm a Southern. <laughs> so, I might you, not be. You guys mispronounce everything. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're the first one that would tell me that. <laughs> but that dish couldn't be better than the Hoosier special, right? Uh, the breaded pork tenderloin sandwich. That's got to be the all-time favorite. Oh, how do you know I like that? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, those are. I don't get them very often. It's when I go back home to Indiana, hmm. I can have that breaded pork tenderloin, and it's so good. And that was my, my all-time favorite sandwich. <laughs> I wasn't the hamburger, you know. I like hamburgers, but, that, you know, if I'm going out, that's what I had. Yeah. Well, you're part Cherokee and part Irish? Definitely um, Cherokee and, uh, and Irish. Scott-Irish, actually, because when I went over to um, Northern Ireland, I was up there, and they were, they were letting me know that uh, my mother's mother's name was Blair, that that was Scott as oh. well, so it was Scott Irish. Yeah. And the reason I ask is because the Marshalls, uh, my family, we originally came from Scotland and we became Protestant planters. The Protestants sent over a bunch of Protestants to Northern Ireland just to tick off the Catholics, I guess. And uh, we've been ticking off Catholics ever since. And then we ended up in County Tyrone and then we came over to Canada after that. So why am I telling you my life story? Anyway. Well, it's beautiful over there. Yes, it is. Scotland I... is gorgeous. Ireland, I mean... Incredible. Father was a coal miner and mill worker, uh, if I understand that right. Uh, youngest of eight children, raised until you were four in Paintsville, Kentucky. Then you moved to Wabash, Indiana. Then a couple of years out of high school, you hit it big with "I'll get over you." Siblings, yeah. boy, four boys and four girls in the family, but you were the little princess of the family, weren't you? <laughs> I don't know, princess. I was the last one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure that they let me get away with things that uh, the others. Didn't get away. Oh, yeah, they were just too daggum tired to deal with you by that that's time. It. That's it. That's what happens. You get tired and you say, oh, go on. <laughs> yeah, forget about it. Who did you get along with the best and who did you bash heads with the most? Oh, my. Let's see. Well, you know, being, it was uh, a brother, Junior, then Loretta, and then three other brothers, and uh, Peggy, my sister Peggy, and then my sister Betty, and then me. So Betty, Peggy, and I, probably Betty is the one I would probably go around and round with, my uh, my sister. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was a, a brother, Don. We probably got into a little bit, but not as much, you know. I would, he would pay me to wash his car, you know. <laughs> you had to change your original name, Brenda, because Brenda Lee was on the same label, and your sister, Loretta Lynn, of course, got your name from a hamburger place. No wonder you don't like hamburgers. Well, you know, I like the Crystal Burgers. Yeah. They're good. <laughs> they have some good little corn dogs, too. And the <laughs> <laughs> you know, Crystal, I, I know a lot of performers have changed their name over the years, and I've always wondered if that's a tough thing at all to go through, to all of a sudden lose your childhood identity and wake up one day wondering who you really are. 
or were you just so thankful to be in the recording studio with Decca that you would have changed your name to Gertrude? Well, in the beginning, I, I really, like you said, I didn't care what they called me. I could record. So, you know, it was, but when I, um, I got the name Crystal, after a few records, it was like, I think I was having a hard time with being Crystal and, because I was still Brenda, Brenda being my real name. So I actually wanted to change it back because then I had records I could do that. It wasn't like I was competing for a name then. Right. But then, you know, I said, oh, I think somebody probably convinced me, like, hey, you've had these hits under Crystal, keep it. <laughs> yeah. I'm Crystal now. I have no problem with it. Is it true that your first label, I, I think it was your sister's label as well, was it Decca, wasn't it? Decca Records. Yeah. Is it true that they wanted you to sing like your sister, Loretta Lynn, and, and since that didn't kind of work out too well, you, you finally left them for United Artists? It wasn't really singing like my sister. It was they wanted me to tour with my sister oh. and be on the road with her. And, and I did some of that, but you can't do that and develop your own style and be your own person. Yeah. Because, I mean, my sister's so big and so great that, you know, it's hard to do that. And she actually gave me the best advice. She knew. She said, don't sing my songs anymore, because I would sing them. She said, you record middle of the road a little more pop-sounding than I would, and don't touch anything I would sing. And she knew, she said, they'd only compare you with me. And she said, we have one Loretta Lynn, we don't need another. Yeah. <laughs> and that's true. You know, it was the best advice ever, because I, I would have so many people coming up to me saying, I hear you're related to Loretta. And I'd say, yes, we're sisters. And they're, they'd look at me and say, no, you're not. You don't sound like her. <laughs> it was like... Whoa, you know, we are sisters. <laughs> oh, man. Well, everywhere Crystal Gale goes, everybody talks to you about your hair. And I know your mom used to cut it short, and, and uh, that's kind of why you, you growed it out long, to try to sound like you guys down there. Uh, you cut it short in, in high school once, I think. But w the only question I really have, and then let's move on from the hair, is uh, what's the worst accident or your most embarrassing moment associated with your hair? Like, do you ever get it stuck in a revolving door or stuck in a guitar on stage or something bizarre? It can get caught on anything. Um, I think probably there was a, the most embarrassing was I was at a, a function where my hair got caught on this guy was really tall, and we were doing a picture, and it got caught on his button, shirt button, which was the lower shirt button. And I tried to get my hair out of his shirt. And was... Hope no one had the cameras going at that time. Then. Oh, my goodness. Um, he had a great time with that. I mean, he loved that. Sure, sure. I wonder if William Lee Golden from the Oak Ridge Boys gets asked as much as, about his ZZ Top beard as you do about your hair. Oh, I'm sure he does. And I'm sure he's done, got it caught and, and everything, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue was it was nailed on the first take, folks. Unbelievable. Because, I mean, I've been in studios, and they have worked on one song for days. And you nailed this puppy on the first take. The song it was a performance song. We went in the studio, and when they turned that machine on, it, it, was, it was the first take. We actually recorded it again, but we didn't use that. We just used the first one. And... I actually tried to resing it, and it just didn't feel right. We just left everything. It was a performance, and that's really how I like to um, have songs and do songs with, is with the, the band in the studio because it makes it more real. I mean, you can tell when the song has been overproduced, oversung. They can nowadays. It's incredible. I mean, they can tune your voice 
that no one could sing that perfect. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a, you know they can make these songs sound great, and and they do. Well, it's astounding how many of these new artists actually have the gall to go out on tour or even do talk shows and try to sing live, because they gotta know they're not as good as they make them sound. It's definitely a, a big difference. Yeah. I I heard the inspiration for Don't It Make My Brown Eyes Blue was David Bowie. No, I'm kidding. It was <laughs> it was just uh with a dog with a blue eye and a brown eye. Richard Lee had a dog, yes, with one brown eye and one blue eye <laughs> and that was the inspiration for the song. And you know, the song was actually they were going to send it to uh California for somebody. And uh Alan Reynolds, who was producing me at that time, was listening to Richard's songs, and he said, do you have anything else you want to play for me? And he said, well, we have one more, but, you know, it's going to be shipped out. And he played it, and Alan said, you're not shipping that song anywhere. <clears throat> so we almost didn't get that one. Whew. Just for that one night, if Alan hadn't gone to Richard's house to listen to songs. Nice. Number one on the country charts and number two in the pop charts. I heard through the grapevine, actually, I talked to this gentleman, oh, about a month or so ago, Pat Boone. He wasn't too happy about that song's huge success because apparently he was threatening to take over his little girl's song, You Light Up My Life. <laughs> yeah, You Light Up My Life was a big, big, huge hit. You know, so uh, weird that both of us came out with these ballads at the same time, totally different types of ballads. Uh, I think that they both hit in ways because they were different than what was out there on the radio. You know, you you get, I think, sometimes tired of hearing the same thing over and over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people tend to, uh, when there's a hit out there, they, they try to rush in the studio and record something that sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And you'll get that all the time. And it's like um, everything starts sounding the same. So I think because Brown Eyes sounded different, and it was very well written. You are just really a lover of music. I mean, everyone from Leslie Gore, Brenda Lee, Patsy Cline, Peter, Paul, and Mary, the Beatles, Tracy Chapman, Roy Orbison, Elvis Presley, John Lennon, Garth Brooks, Louis Armstrong, Alanis Morissette, good Canadian girl, Patsy Cline, Richard Marks, you love music. Oh, I love music. And another Canadian, Ian Tyson, I love him. Oh. Sylvia Tyson, I loved her. I've got... I still love the albums. I've got albums galore. <laughs> if you were stuck in a desert island, had one CD to play on that CD player that you could plug in somewhere on the desert island, what would it be? <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> That's real hard because I, you know, in different moods is you know you want something different. You know, I'm, I I love just the the music of the Indian music, uh, the Indian um, flutes. Hmm. I love that. You know, I love that sound. But overall, just uh, music, hmm, that's hard. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm always, I'm, yeah, it's always hard to pinpoint, uh, to pin me down on any one particular thing, because I, I do, I love music. There's so many. I mean, I love Ronstadt's music. I love uh, uh, my sister. Maybe I'm supposed to say my sister. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> if I don't say her name, I'm going to get upset. She'll <laughs> get mad at me. <laughs> nice recovery. Nice recovery. That was good. <laughs> That was good. You're smooth. Well, you've toured all around the world. You're a huge hit uh, in the U.K. and Asia. By the way, how do you say, why have you left the one you left me for in Japanese? I've forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun to do. That was just a a great time to be over there, and it was so um, awesome. I worked with the um, orchestras over there. The string section is one of the best I've ever heard. Um, it was like one violin 
I mean, it was so in tune. I couldn't believe it. It was just incredible. Um, we just had a great time, and to to be able to go all over the world. Hmm. Uh, here's another little uh, trivia question for you here. Uh, which do you think, Crystal, was the most memorable for you? Being interviewed by a drag queen in the U.K., performing on Solid Gold in the United States, or maybe uh, singing with Big Bird on Sesame Street? <laughs> oh, all three of them. You know, <laughs> I've got to say, Big Bird, that's, you know, that's pretty high on the list. That was cool. I saw that on YouTube. I remember walking, I was walking down the streets in New York, and this lady had her baby in the stroller, and she's pointing at me. And she recognized me, and I thought, this is a little tiny kid from wow. bit, from uh, Sesame Street. Come on. It was, uh, I was probably two or three, and they had recognized me singing with Big Bird. I think they said, Big, you know, Big Bird. <laughs> so that was cute. That's neat. You and Gary Morris sang the theme song for the soap opera, Another World, but I never got to see you actually on, on the show, mainly because... Um, I don't watch soap operas, but I, I, I didn't see you. I, was that, a, that must have been fun to do that. It was a lot of fun. That's hard work being on those um, shows because I was getting up every morning for the, the couple weeks I was there. I get 4.30 just to start, get ready to start shooting later, and, and you'd be there till 11 or 12 at night. I mean, these people work. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun, though. I mean, I, I had got chased by a killer and all that. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't understand how it can be hard work. You're a country singer, and I can see country music and soap operas being a, a very, very uh, interesting parallel. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I'm used to the road and going this and that and everything, but, you know, getting there, you you wait around all day, you're made up to go on that, to be filmed, and, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, they're breaking for this. Mm. <laughs> it's a lot of, that's what I mean, hard work. It's a lot of, uh, you know, get ready and sit around and wait. Yeah, hurry up and it's wait. A lot of, yeah, and... I'm sure that when that's what you do, you're used to it, and you know what uh, you can do and what's going to be around, and you can do your business of other things you're going to do and make your phone calls. And you know. But, um, you know, to me, just stepping in there was like, wow, this isn't easy. Well, Crystal, now that the kids are older, have you finally been able to carve out some, some time for songwriting these days? Well, you know, I have been doing a little bit of that. I'm in the studio now working on an album. Actually, a couple of projects I'm working on, and it feels good to get back in there. And uh, I'm going to do a, a regular album instead of. Uh, I love doing like the old standards. There's so many wonderful songs from the past, but this is going to be a, a lot of new songs that, from some of these great writers that are in Nashville. Uh, actually, speaking of the old standards, I think that Mr. Steiner would want you to do more of the classics now. <laughs> he, he probably wants you to do a swing album, maybe. What do you think? Oh, definitely, definitely a swing album. <laughs> it was great. He he helped me a whole lot in uh, in high school and with my music in so many directions. You released a gospel album in '95 and then again in '96. So was that just a marketing move, sort of capitalizing on momentum, or was there something going on with you spiritually back then? I was wanting people to know another side of me that they might not be aware of. And uh, having the gospel albums let people know, you know, where where I come from, and you know, I love um, spiritual songs. I love um, the, I love the old time gospel a whole lot. And you know, now there's some wonderful new songs as well, which maybe I should do an album of some of the newer standards. I would say that there would be, but I mean, the old the old gospel songs are just incredible. Have you ever toured or done any work with the Gaithers? No, I haven't. 
I've never toured with them, and you know, I've done different things, different uh, shows and things, but I've never toured with, uh, you know, doing uh, gospel like that. And maybe I should. It's a lot of fun. I took my dad to one of those concerts, uh, Gaither concert here in Toronto one time, and I got to tell you, there's a bit of a, an anomaly happening there. It's the longest concert I've ever been to in my life, about six hours, and it's filled with people who have to go to the bathroom every 20 minutes. <laughs> well, that happens, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was probably a big festival that you went to that was... You no, know, they, no, that's the Gaither concert, serious. They go for about six, six hours. Hour. I'm telling you, it's... That's a, it, a lot. Oh, people are bringing in, you know, lunches and coolers and all sorts of things. They uh, they have to keep nourished for that long, that's for sure. Well, they have a big family. So. They do. Okay, so let's let's talk a bit about your God journey. Sometimes in the country music scene, there's an assumption that if you sing country, you're naturally a, a, a God person. You're not, you grew up in church, you grew up in the South, everybody had to go to church, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sure that's probably your story, but did it come to a point in your life where you ever kind of personally made it your own, or there was a, a a turning point, an aha moment in your spiritual life, or was it just something you always grew up with, and it was always there, and, it, you know, that kind of a thing? It was always with me. You know, my mother was very spiritual, even though she didn't go to church all the time. You know, she read her Bible. And to me, you don't have to go to church to be spiritual. You don't have to, um, you know, your temple is your, your body, really, you could have. So it's... It, 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 she was there with it, and I would start going to church, and, um, and you know, it was there. You know, it was just part of my my life and and my belief. You know, to that uh, that was just like I said, part of me that I wanted people when I did the albums. I wanted people to know another side of me because I hadn't recorded the the spiritual albums, the gospel albums, and and I, I you know I would get questions, and I thought, you know, I'm going to do this, so, so people will know. Uh, you're also from a, a generation, though, of, of people who keep their spiritual life kind of private, right? Uh, these days, it seems like more and more people, it's almost like everybody's thanking, you know, their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for every award they've ever won, and you, and you kind of line that up with their lifestyle, and you think, really? Wow. Uh, where did the Jesus stuff come from? Well, yeah, I think some people do that because they think that's what they're supposed to, and I see those award shows, too. And, you know, it's you wonder, okay, Um and and maybe it is coming from the heart on some of them, but I'm sure not all of them. Sure. It's just it, it's like you said. That's what they. That's the first thing you know. I'm I'm thinking. Uh, it's um. But if if they truly believe it, I mean, they should. But do you find, Crystal, that it's easier for you to keep the faith side of your life kind of private and and not really talk about it, or or not? Well, I've not really been in the situations where you go out there and do a whole lot of talking uh, about. My beliefs, um, you know, I've always been, if, if you knowing me, I've always been on the shyer side of all the people in my family. Um, I was very, very shy. And it, it's really a wonder that I was ever able to get on stage and sing. Hmm. I was just the one that I probably took after our dad the most because he didn't like to talk. He was always in the background. He was very shy, hated his picture being taken. We have many pictures of him hiding his eyes. <laughs> So it's it was I'm, I know I took after him, so that's probably one of the things you don't see. But when I'm around or I talk about, people know I have my faith. It's just not I've not gotten out on TV and said this and that, or uh, maybe I should. You know, 
No, I don't think there's a prerequisite or there's a rule book there that says every time you get on TV, you got to rattle on about Jesus. Uh, you know, I think what people are really wanting is authenticity. You know, everybody and their mother seems to be hooking into Jesus some way these days. But when we live with them or walk with them, if we really got to know them, what are they like behind closed doors? And is this a genuine, authentic relationship with God or is it something they use as a shtick? There's a lot of people that it's just used, yeah, and you can tell, and you know you can, and you know when you go to church, you know you which person sitting there is using it just because they think they should, or, or if uh, it's true, and it's it's wonderful to know the people that it's really. It comes from the heart. You and Bill taped a beautiful video over in Greece, I think, that was highlighting one of the songs on one of your gospel albums, wasn't it? Yes. Was it Someday? Someday. I love that song. It must have been, we won't cry anymore. It must have been very powerful to film that song in an area where there was such scriptural history. You know what I mean? It was just incredible to, to be able to go there. And, uh, you know, Bill being Greek, we were visiting his aunt and that's why we connected because we were actually going to film that video in ireland and then we thought let's just go on down to greece and and because we were going to visit his aunt and and uh never thought we could be able to do some of the the filming we did because they're pretty you know tight with all the things that they do there you have to go through an act of congress to film in certain places so we were lucky well, uh, Christmas, sometimes athletes are labeled a triple threat because they have, uh, you know, three key distinctives or talents that make them such a versatile commodity. But you, my dear, are like a quadruple threat. Uh, you have that beautiful mellifluous voice, a stunning Greek Pocahontas thing going on. I mean, those those eyes and that hair and the face and, yeah, I, I, I won't go on anymore. Um <laughs> So, so you've got the voice. My head's getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been called a Greek Pocahontas, by the way? No, that's the first. I like that. <laughs> so you've got the voice, you've got the looks, the personality, very warm, sincere, and fun. Uh, but the biggest distinctive I think that that you have is your personal life is completely boring. I mean, <laughs> you have been married forever to the same man, your high school sweetheart, Bill. You've got two children, a boy and a girl, and you just like to hang around the house and clean out your closet. There's no gossip. I love there's, cleaning out closets. <laughs> there's no juicy Nashville news. Nothing. You got nothing. Well, you know, it's it, it, I saw through the years people. And my sister right there, you know, they would think of things to call the tabloids about. And you'd, they'd make things up. People did it all the time. And I'm thinking, I can't do that. I mean, that, I, that wasn't my life. I could not lie about it. I, w I wasn't going to. Um, but other people felt comfortable with that. And I just I couldn't do that. I just couldn't make things up. I, I love it. I mean, good for you. Lack of integrity in our society, in our... Just, I mean, look, I, you know, I'm not trying to sound like a judgmental jerk here. If someone followed me around for a day, you'd be sufficiently surprised. But it's just so refreshing to have a classy, very successful artist such as yourself being followed around with the word integrity. So well done. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Have you ever been mistaken as Linda Carter, by the way? No, I haven't. Do I you, love Linda. She's great. But, she's I mean, the resemblance is uncanny. Wonder Woman. You know, she's a lot taller than me. <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, maybe that's when I look, I think, well. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you're about the same height as Kristen Chenoweth, I think. Are you 5'2"? Five 5'2". Two? Five two. 
Well, Wonder Woman was my first love. I'm pretty sure you were my father's first love. I really hope he's listening. Actually, I'm going to bring my father and my favorite uncle up to your concert up at Casino Rama next week, July oh, 18th at 9 o'clock. Folks, tickets are available via Ticketmaster or in person at the uh, Casino Rama box office. And uh, you want to go to crystalgale.com or casinorama.com. There's a couple of websites for you. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. As I said before, uh, thank you for your integrity and, and uh, the way you have lived your life. It's very refreshing, uh, especially in amongst Nash Vegas. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I appreciate that. It makes me feel very good. And I'm looking so forward to, to being up there. What can, what can people expect? It. The normal standards and maybe a little a little something new? What happens at a, at a, a Crystal Gale new. concert? Well, we just have fun. You know, to me, that's the most important part. You know, you know, you're there to have fun, and uh, people that come. So that's what we do too. We just have fun. We we throw in the songs we know that uh, we better sing or we'll get in trouble, and <laughs> then we take it from there. Folks, on the Drew Marshall Show, Crystal Gale. Thank you, and we'll see you next week, Crystal. Oh, thank you. Don't know when I've been so blue. Don't know what. Come over you You found someone And don't it make my brown eyes blue You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. When you're gone I'll just cry all night long Say it is a Say anything, but don't say goodbye. I didn't mean to treat you bad. Didn't know just what I had, but honey, now I.